Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres. We're here to talk to you with the Hockey Podcast Network. As you all know, the Hockey Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things NHL year-round, featuring podcasts for each team based in their respective local market. Subscribe today. You won't regret it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And this is going to be our last episode before the start of the NHL regular season. We thought it was only appropriate to welcome one of our favorite guests back to the show. Anthony from Expected Buffalo and Die by the Blade. Welcome back, my friend. How are you today? I'm good. Brendan Taylor, how are you guys? Doing well. Not as good as your mustache, though. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's just good to be back on the show, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, You know, looking forward to some Sabres hockey. Absolutely. So before we get into the big news of the day, which has really been the whole Jeff Skinner situation, just generally speaking, Anthony, how are you feeling towards the Sabres again as we are just a couple of days away before the season kicking off? Well, it's interesting, right? I mean... I think like everybody, I feel really good about the top six. Um, if, if the Sabres are going to be successful and, and bust that playoff drought, they need the top six to be fantastic. Right. So um, I, I feel okay. Uh, there are things I definitely don't like, but uh, I, I actually put myself in kind of like a doomsday mindset, like right off the bat, like, okay, what can these lines look like that would just irritate me the most, right? And as long as it's not that, right, I can live with it. So, like, there's flaws. There's things I don't like. But I'm ready to see them take the ice, right? There's a lot of new faces at forward, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it all comes together. So do you have anything that you would say is the team's biggest glaring weakness ahead of the start of the season? Uh, depth and goal, for sure. Uh, I think that not addressing the goaltending situation was a mistake. Um, I know Carter Hutton apparently got LASIK or something. I don't know what happened, but he he fixed his eyeballs. So hopefully he is like way better because there were only, I think, three goalies with a worse uh, expected goals against, or uh, I'm sorry, goal saved above expectation rate uh, that was worse than his last year. So uh, analytically, really, really terrible season for him and from base stats too. He just looked bad all around. Uh, Lina, I'm shocked anyone is, was worse. What's that? I'm shocked anyone was worse in goal. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I could pull it up and tell you who it was, but um, I, you know, Linus Allmark, I like him more than Chad does. Like that's for sure. That's established. I mean, if any of your listeners listen to our show, they know that that I defend him a little bit. Um, but that being said, he is an extremely injury-prone goaltender. So not having a viable backup is a very very risky thing for me. So that's. The most glaring issue. Um, do you want to know who, had, who who was worse than him last year? This actually, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind so of curious. Actually. Yeah, so there were actually four who were worse than him. So wow. uh, it was Devin Dubnik was the worst. Wow. Mm, yep. Man. Then Pekarine, oh. Matt Murray, and Martin Jones. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, Martin Jones. Yeah, that makes sense. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> good <the> lord. <laughs> <laughs> Not good wow. company to be in. <laughs> no. Yeah, I definitely share your concern. Uh, with the goaltending, mm-hmm. I'm mildly shocked. I shouldn't say I'm shocked because I knew with the financial situation going on, they probably weren't going to eat the last year of Hutton's deal. 
but they really are about to roll into a compacted season with Carter Hutton as one of their options. And they're really, really banking on the fact that his, his eyes allegedly work now. (laughs) Right. It's uh, it's concerning that it is. (laughs) Well, Anthony, one of the things that you had mentioned, uh, I had alluded to before, but uh, the the big thing with the Sabres this year, if they're going to go anywhere, it's going to be based on their scoring. Um, And as I had mentioned at the top of the show, the big news of the day on Sunday was uh, Jeff Skinner uh, Mm. seemingly in Ralph Kruger's doghouse. It's been noticed. I mean, it was, it was talked about all last season that Skinner really didn't was not necessarily put in a position to succeed in terms of his line mates and his minutes. Uh, And it seemed like at the start of the year of the preseason or of uh, the, this new season mm-hmm. that he was going to firmly be in the top six forwards. He was on a line with uh stall and with Reinhardt early returns from camp where that, that line looked really solid. They looked good together in the first scrimmage and in drills. Um, and there seemed to be a lot of promise. And then Skinner gets bumped down and has most recently been playing with Riley Sheehan and Rasmus Asplund. And today was kind of the the cherry on top, confirming everybody's fears, suspicions, whatever you want to call it. Uh, When Ralph Kruger was asked about Jeff Skinner, uh, his quote was, and I quote, it's important no matter your role, no matter your skill level, is that in general, you play within our principles. He's continuing to work on that with coach with the coaching staff. Once he lets that go and relaxes and trusts his instincts, he's going to give us what we need. We need scoring right through the lineup. The present setup will give that line opportunity to add to our offense. It's important for Jeff to just keep working hard. And again, our principles need to be the guideline. We're confident we'll be able to get Jeff in a good place here. So I don't know about you guys. I'd like to hear what both of you think, but that makes me feel terrible. Uh, does not inspire a lot of confidence at all. Taylor, what, would you want to take it first? Actually, what are your general thoughts, you know, just on that quote and the whole Skinner situation in general? So it, it really, obviously a, a player has to play the way the coach wants them to. And like, if you don't, in general, I guess you kind of have to do what the coach wants, but if you're a coach, especially someone who has the lack of track record and the lack of success that Ralph Kruger has, I feel like there's some, it'd be good to have some humility here and at least look at it. Like Skinner is probably their second best score, maybe third. Now that Hall's there, you want to put him in a situation to succeed. The team obviously made a big investment in him, but at the same time, like what will work? Because I've never really liked the idea of a punishment being you play on a, a worse line for a guy like him. And it reminds me of our, our old friend, Brad boys, uh, a few years ago, obviously not the same skill level, but like we mentioned last episode, his first, uh, not first season, but after the trade line deadline, when he got traded for, he was really good. And he started out cold the next season and Lindy took away his power play time. It's like, you're not actually punishing him or trying to motivate him. You're just making the team worse and making mm-hmm. him kind of useless. And that's what I kind of think with, if Skinner's playing like 12 minutes a night or something like that, if he's playing between those two guys, that seems like an awful idea to me. And it, it, it reeks of like uh, bad overbearing coaching. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm trying to like compact my thoughts on this so I don't go off and like take up 80% of this podcast and be ranting about this, but no, go ahead. There's a, there's a couple, there's a couple things here, right? Number one, I understand the theme of you need to conform to our system, right? To a degree, but let's not act surprised with what Jeff Skinner produced last year. 
he has always been an offense only player. He has never been a strong defensive entity, right? And Ralph Kruger's system, as we know, is very conservative and very defense conscious from your forwards. And that's why a very mediocre defensive core was able to put up the ninth best expected goals against rate in the league last year because they got a lot of help from the forwards, right? Jeff Skinner, you didn't pay him to be a two-way player. You paid him to score goals, right? And like it or not, $9 million, yes, in, in retrospect, is too much money for what Jeff Skinner does, for what he provides, right? He can't really drive a line. He's he's a top, top-end complimentary player, but he is that, right? He's a complimentary player, but he's like up the upper echelon uh, in that regard. So he's here for seven more years, and he's making $9 million a year, right? So at what point do you try to accommodate and get him producing? Because his team needs to score goals, right? They need to score goals. And so conforming to the system, well, it's, uh, and we saw this experiment fail last year, right? His two most common line mates last season were Marcus Johansson and Connor Sheary. And I got to tell you something, those are better players than Curtis Lazar, Riley Sheehan, Rasmus Athlon, whatever combination of those three are, are with him on that third line. So we're going to recreate this experiment, except we're going to make it a little more difficult this time. And look, I get that Taylor Hall needs to be with Jack Eichel. That's probably how they got him here, right? You know, we're going to give you a one-year deal. You can ramp up your numbers with Eichel. Here you go, right? So I get that part. But not placing him alongside Eric Stahl makes no sense to me. And again, if you want scoring throughout your lineup, the answer was last season, and the answer remains to move Sam Reinhardt down because Sam Reinhardt, I believe, based on the metrics and what I see from him, he's got a higher um, potential success rate, let's say, of being able to drive a line than Jeff Skinner does. So if you really, if he was really in the business of balancing his lineup, Reinhardt is the easy decision to move down, and you put Dylan Cousins on the other wing with Saul, and now you have true balance because now you not only have balance in skill level, you have balance in experience, and that is huge. And not to mention the fact that your de facto third, whatever, fourth line center in Cody Eakin is a defensive net negative entity pretty much his whole career. Reinhardt can make up for that as well. So I don't believe that Ralph Kruger is solely doing this to give himself balance throughout the lineup. I do believe he does not enjoy the way Jeff Skinner manages or plays in his system. And I think it's stubbornness. You you conform your system to your players. The best coaches adjust their systems to the players. Barry Trotz is the best example. Because if you look at the New York Islanders roster, it's not that good, guys. It's really not that impressive. And somehow he gets so much out of them every single year. And again, it's because he conforms his system. They, They play a tight game, but he knows how to put his guys in areas of strength and positions of strength, right? So I feel Kruger as a rule does this very poorly in general from top to bottom, but for some reason he just doubles down on it with Jeff Skinner. And I I don't get it. I will say this though. And one last thing to Kruger's credit, some of Skinner's best underlying metrics, mostly during his time in Carolina have actually come with defensively capable centermen. So I don't mind the idea of a Lazar or a Sheehan centering Jeff Skinner. However, you need to have a setup man, someone who's uh, comfortable in transition on the other wing, if that is going to work, you cannot have two defensive entities and no one to set him up to do the one thing he does well. And the one thing you paid him for, which is the score goals. Well, can I throw a line at you real quick that I of think would be interesting if they don't want him in the top six? So Sheehan, Cousins, and Skinner. Would that be interesting? Yes. 
It would, because I, I believe uh, Riley Sheehan is capable enough defensively where he can not only shelter uh, Skinner, who is not a good defensive entity, but he, he could also help uh, Cousins transition. And I think that if you sh- if you adjust their OZS rate, which for those listening who don't know is offensive zone start, um, and give them a heavy set early and see how that works and then ease them into a more even deployment, I do like that. But if they throw them in and try to do that in a 50-50 split or, or even defensively tilted, it would go poorly. But yes, in principle, I, I would like to see them try that before trying God Lazar or whoever on that right wing. It's a it's definitely a better option than what's what they currently have slated. Because Rasmus Asplund, I mean, God, what did he get? I mean, let's let's just talk base points, right? What was it, three points in thirty something games last year? I mean, he's not an offensive player. Not good. You, yeah, you've got Jeff Skinner effectively on a checking line right now. That's what's happening. That's the reality. And it's inexcusable to me. I I mean, everybody goes back to, like you said, Anthony, before, oh, he's getting paid $9 million, and so he should be able to drive his own line. But the fact of the matter is is that that's just not who he is. That's not not the case, right? Yes, you're right. Theoretically, he should be able to do these things, and we should not have to worry about him. But guess what? That's not it. And we've got him seven more years, so let's try and figure out how to make this not a, a, a total loss here. Right. And it doesn't have to be either. That's the thing. I mean, this isn't like a a, a Kyle Opozo situation where you have somebody who's on the other side of 30 in the style of play like Opozo, who is more of like a bruiser and a power forward type. I mean, Skinner's style of play is conducive to being able to be effective into your 30s. Uh, right. the, The fact of the matter is, though, is that they're just not utilizing him in the proper way, because, yeah, you know, $9 $9 million definitely sucks. And especially last year when you're not putting up even 20 goals, but I mean, if you're putting him with stall or even if you're putting him with Eichel, I know that there's an insistence of having hall up there too, but even if you, if you do at some point switch the lineup around and you get Skinner up on the top line with Eichel, I mean, if you get, you know, 25 to 35 goals out of him for the next handful of seasons, I don't think anybody is going to be, you know, that upset. I mean, yeah, of course it's yeah. a high price to pay for that. But again, like you said, you're talking about one of the guys who's on the higher end of, you know, as complimentary players go. I mean, Skinner is, is right up there with the best of them, you know, and, and that's based on a, on his entire career. He, he's been very on and off, um, even statistically, like literally it, it's he's had mm-hmm. streaks where it's like one year he's on the next he's off and he goes kind of back and forth. So, you know, hopefully this year will be one where he returns to form a little bit, but he's not going to do that. If you're not putting him in positions to succeed, you know, you paid him for this one thing that is his specialty. This one thing that the Sabres for 10 years now have not been good at, have not had guys who specialize in this thing. And it also happens to me the most important part of the game of hockey, which is putting the puck in the back (laughs) of the net. So it just seems like they're shooting themselves in in their own foot because uh, even for example, like if Kruger did have as much, like if he has problems with Skinner, if he feels like he's an issue in the room and say their end game is potentially either getting him picked up in the expansion draft Mm -hmm. by Seattle or somehow finding an out for a trade, how are you going to maximize his value? It's not going to be by playing him with, you know, Sheehan and, and Asplund or Lazar. Like you need to have somebody with him who is going to be able to set that, like set him up. And I, I do Taylor to your point. I think that cousins can work definitely there because of his style of play. I mean, it remains to be seen how his game is going to transition into the NHL, but like that is the kind of guy that I would love to have with Jeff, with Jeff Skinner, that kind of, you know, like cousins power forward style where he's going to be able to just 
clear guys out of the way. He's gonna, he's strong along the walls. He's got incredible speed through the neutral zone and for his size, especially. And they feel like they could be a really nice complimentary piece. I mean, that's like the bare minimum we're talking about here. Like if you don't want to play him in the top six, whatever, but like give this guy something that he can use to at least have some semblance of, of production and success. So I, I agree. Yeah. And Taylor, what were you going to add there? I would also add that the lines as they were, uh, as they were put in practice today is also very unfair to cousins. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not a great situation for him either to play with reader. And uh, I believe it was Eakin. Do we, first, yeah, uh, but do we think that that is going to be how likely, I guess, does everybody think that that's going to actually be the case that cousins will getting those kind of minutes i mean if it is just i, I want i want to believe it's it's zero percent chance but I, listen ralph kruger seems to me the type who who applies kind of i don't want to say old school because i don't know if that's right but but maybe uh debunked logic let's call it to 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 how he does certain things right and I, I think a lot, the idea of developing a, a young scorer right very like back in maybe the 90s was put him with two defensive entities right to, to like, you know, guard him or some stuff. And I feel like that old timey mentality is still there. And, and so I want to believe that won't happen, but with Ralph Kruger, who knows, right? I mean, in this organization in general, let's call it what it is, right? You had Casey Middlestead, who in his rookie season, his two most consistent line mates were Tage Thompson and Kyle Oposo. So, I mean, like, I don't know, the organization doesn't have a good track record of putting those guys in a position to succeed. So, I, I want to believe it's not the case. I'd like to believe that Dylan Cousins would flank Skinner on that other side uh, with, with preferably she and maybe Lazar in the middle. I can see that working, but um, if you're going to put Cousins with Eakin, oh, oh my God, you better just give them a 60% OZS rate because they're going to get absolutely torched in the defensive zone. So let's talk about something, I guess, that's the bigger conversation here that, you know, for those listening, you may feel it's an overreact. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to get too ahead of ourselves. But here. it's because we've seen it, though. How concerned are we? How concerned are we about Ralph Kruger? Like, it, very, is your, where's your patience level at? And what is the leash at, really, for this season for you guys? So if I could go first here, um, I just want to draw a comparison, my... I was uh, listening to uh, Bill's preview podcast, my friends at the uh, the Goose's Roost did, and they brought up the idea that when a, Bill's had a new quarterback throughout the 2000s, you knew after one year if the quarterback was going to suck, and they just mm-hmm. always brought him back and were like, eh, maybe they'll get better. But it, it never really happened. And that's kind of how I feel about Sabres coaches now. We've had so many in the past decade, and it's like, you know after the first year they don't have the juice. Like, Housley, you, I knew tw- 10 games into that season. Like, they, Housley sucks. There's no way this is going to work. Bielsma probably took maybe a little bit more than a year, but still, it, was, it wasn't it was too long before it became obvious. And now, I mean, to me, I don't really have patience for these guys anymore. And I think Kruger is a little bit different than all those guys, and he sounds smart, but then he does, kind of like to your point, the same bullshit everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Every bad coach does. Like, I don't know, I'm... I'm I'm uh he's really he's hockey he's hockey turn Tony Robbins man he's really good at sounding good I mean he's motivational Phil Housley yep you know he's he's life coach Ted Nolan it's it's the same guy it's the same guy he just packaged it differently and he owns a notebook so obviously he was the most qualified guy for the role yeah did you hear that you guys heard that story right 
no. They were listening. They were interviewing oh, the yeah, owners, and the thing they were most impressed with. They were like, "Well, he brought a notebook." It's like, "Well, holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, the bar that we set. It could it be any lower? I I uh, I love that every time there's a story about that, it's just always some stupid. It's always annoying. Yeah. It's always like, oh, he really <laughs> liked. Uh, Sean McDermott was a wrestler, and that's oh, why the Bills are good now. Luckily, that worked out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. But, I, but I, the thing, though, that it, it's kind of funny, too. Side note, we didn't even get to mention it, but, like, go Bills, moving on now mm. to, the, uh, to the divisional round. Uh, by the time you all hear this, again, same as – you'll know who uh, we'll be playing, but right now it's between either the Ravens or the Steelers. Pulling for the Steelers, I think we would all be in agreement. Um, mm. But McDermott, though, is, is he maybe, like, one of – I could probably think of a couple of others. Examples of coaches who – in professional sports in general who – seemingly completely changed their approach to the game and how they kind of handle their job. Because when you think about it, the guy who Sean McDermott was his first two years in Buffalo compared to the guy who he is now, to me, it's like night and day. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem though, is that football compared to hockey, I think you're more inclined to have guys who are willing to embrace change. I guess hockey is so fixated on, kind of you know these founding principles and and the way that the game is supposed to be played and you know as you guys are both saying Ralph Kruger that kind of seems to be his MO even though you know he talks up a good game you know and don't get me wrong it's great that he's a player's coach it seems like the guys all love playing for him and of course I don't think that Taylor Hall ends up a Buffalo Sabre if if Ralph Kruger also isn't the coach too Mm -hmm. as much as much of a benefit it is for playing Jack but I it just, like you said, it just doesn't seem like he has the juice. I mean, it, you, you know, you know how these guys approach the game, you know, you know, from like deployment and the questions that we were even asking ourselves last year, pretty early on, you know, it kind of told us, but again, it was, he's a great communicator and the guys seem mm-hmm. to love him. So maybe those things kind of go away to the side, but I don't know, I guess how practical do you guys think it is that if, we don't make the playoffs this year and it's really not that much of an improvement. Um, how likely do we think it that Kruger's gone? I don't know. I think there's a, there's a good chance he moves up. Cause I, I, I do believe that the Pagulas like him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but I, 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 I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a possibility that he moves up or, or moves on. I don't think he'd be the head coach if, if this team really fell short of expectations and especially if Jack Eichel turned the heat up, but, but maybe Eichel says, you know, Hey, I'll stick around, but I don't want another coaching change. So maybe he does stick. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to really think about that because it's just so depressing, but the the thing where, and I want to make this clear to people so that it's not, I think people get the wrong idea that, that, you know, analytics people and, and kind of fans in general want things perfect. Like when I talk about optimizing a lineup, I'm not expecting perfection based on what, you know, plugging something into the computer and saying, okay, well, the data tells me this is your most optimal. That's not what I need. Every coach has a thing they do that's that doesn't agree with the metrics, right? And Barry Trotz is a guy I've brought up already, but I'll bring him up again. His usage of Devin Taves, who I feel is analytically his best, it was his best defenseman last year, besides maybe uh, uh, Ryan Pulak. He, he didn't, he used him as like a second to third pairing guy. And like, that wasn't what he was. He was actually much more than that. And so they traded him to Colorado and Colorado, I think made an amazing deal to get him because I'm a huge fan. Huge of deal. Yeah. And, and 
so every coach has that, right? So again, it's not the expectation of perfection, but, but we need to recognize reality here. And what we know is the Sabres are a team that is going to require their top six and, and largely their top nine to make up for net negative impacts they have on the back end. They do not have an impactually good defense. Rasmus Dahlin is great. Yoki Haru is great. And Miller's fine, right? And then everything else is like, oof, you know, like not not the best. Like McCabe, shelter him in the or not shelter him, load him up in the D zone. I mean, he's got good D metrics, cool, but Montour and Ristolainen don't do anything well. I mean, Montour can transition and, and skate fast, so he masks the fact that he's actually a really not good player. But um, and then you've got the goaltending situation, right? So you need to be able to produce offensively enough so to more than make up for your detriments on the back end. And in order to do that, you need to put together optimal combinations. And I don't feel he's done that. I don't feel he's he's really even come close. I mean, the top six is fine, but it, the way he's got it made up, I, I said from, gosh, months ago, if Sam Reinhardt is in your top six, you did it wrong. And it's not because he's not a top six player but it's because you need to balance your lines in order to optimize them. Taylor? Drew. <sighs> so, <laughs> are you asking me something specific or just my well, thoughts? Just on the, I guess, you know. I think I gave my thoughts right there. Yeah. Um, yeah well, I would, maybe to transition to D real quick, I'll say this. Uh, that's another thing that I don't know how much has been talked about, but it's another big concern because it's literally the same defense like a hundred percent, the same defense. And obviously I don't think it was particularly good last year. Uh, I guess really the main thing is seeing like how big of a leap uh, Darlene and Yoki Haru can do this year. That's huge. But yeah. Besides that though, I, I don't really have faith in Kruger to optimize that. Cause just like every other bad Sabres coach of this decade, he's loved playing Ristolainen a little bit less than he used to, but still mm-hmm. he's definitely the top pairing guy. He was obviously out of practice today, but I think he'll probably be on the top power play, I guess. Or, I mean, he'll get his power play time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what he's good at, second power play. But he's, you know, I don't mind that. But he's going to – If really, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him play with Montour and get destroyed again. Well, actually get destroyed this time and not get lucky this year. Or play four minutes more a game than Darlene. Just annoying things like that that I'm, I'm not really ready yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's, it's, it's frustrating already. They haven't even played yet, and I'm, I'm already frustrated <laughs> about the defense. Don't you just love it? Well, also, let's also just to kind of wrap up some of the roster news here. So uh, most recently, Dylan Cousins and Jack Quinn were bumped up to the Sabres first practice group, along with Will Borgen and Jacob Bryson. Sadly, though, that also meant that R2 Roostalainen was sent down to their second group, and it appears that he is headed to Rochester. Um on this, I mean, I definitely don't love it. I was a big proponent. I think all of us were of, of Roostaline and making the roster out of camp. It seemed like it made too much sense considering that when you're looking at filling out the rest of the bottom six, you know what you have in uh, Riley Sheehan and Asplund and Lazar and Toby Reader. Um, and Roostaline to me seemed like an opportunity for them to inject some surprise secondary scoring into the lineup. You know, we are all well aware of the success that he had in the Liga. Um, And then he comes over here and it seems like he's, he's ready to go. I mean, he's had professional experience and, you know, something that people have brought up pretty frequently with regard to the Sabres and Ralph Kruger specifically is what he deems as a player's prime years. Um, You know, 
I think Kruger maybe has it in his head that you don't reach your prime until maybe you're 27 or 28, but um, pretty much every Mm -hmm. single piece of statistical data. And and this is a sports science guy, by the way, this is Mr. Sports science, Ralph Kruger. Right. Right. And, And so every piece of data that's available out there pretty much tells you that, no, it's not. It's actually 24, 25, 20, yeah. 25 range. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. You know, which coincidentally is where your uh, <laughs> maybe like three or four of your best players are right now. Um, so, you know, when you have that happening and, you know, as we're also talking about contracts that are going to be coming up with guys, you know, where, where Darlene is going to be commanding money next year. Same with Yoki Haru. Of course, you give Hall the contract. You have Jack on a $10 million deal. Reinhardt's going to be due for a new deal. And so the key thing, you know, way that you can find success is being able to utilize ELCs while you have guys on these contracts. And when you have guys who can contribute with an ELC, I mean, that's huge. So I don't know. I mean, I guess just general thoughts on Roostalion and going down, but also the potential good and Borgen or a Bryson being able to crack the roster. I feel like I've been talking so much, Taylor. I feel bad. You want to, you want to get good? Way in first, <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a really irrational uh, rationalist at first. It was like almost everyone we've brought up from Rochester, save for Olafson, in the past. Th- this entire while well, this whole thing's been going on, we'll say ten years, it's just been like a flop. And it really hmm. start. I think a lot of that started with like a lot of Murray's guys, a lot of guys he traded for that came up then. And that's that's my irrational reaction. But in general, yeah, I'd like to see some some new blood in the in the in the defensive core and then the lineup in general. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Anthony? Yeah, the thing with Rootsman, it's like, what else can this kid do? I mean, he was fantastic in last year's camp. He went out and just destroyed Liga. It's like, what more do you need from him? And it's so funny. Are we really going to alienate another diamond in the rough guy we just pull out of Europe? Because we ran Lawrence Pilot out of town. We ran him out of the organization because we just kept saying you need to cook longer and he's like i'm 24 and i'm easily one of your top four defensemen like i'm i'm gonna go to russia i can't do this right and so are we really gonna do this again with this guy because he's proven more than pilot did overseas right when pilot was in sweden or or even rochester like roots lanen has has exceeded that even and and we're really gonna send him to rochester on a team that does not have a strong bottom six and and it's just mind-boggling that you the, those coaches looked at Rasmus Asplund and they looked at Artur Rutsalainen and said, "Oh, okay, yeah, that guy. It's like you well, could do more for us, yeah." Like how how do you get yourself there, especially because you saw a half season worth of sample from uh, Asplund last year and he did nothing for you. It's it's yeah. wild to me, yeah. and it's not like he don't don't hit me with the he was a behind the scenes guy thing because that's a lie because analytically he was horrible. His work behind the scenes was worse than what his work was on the score sheet, which was basically zero. So I, I just, that is maybe the most frustrating. It's more frustrating than the Skinner thing for me. Cause not only are you alienating this kid, you're not optimizing your team this year. You're not giving yourself your best chance to win. And you're probably ruining your chances of getting another European free agent, like maybe ever again. So it, it's, oh, it's yeah. really just bonkers to me that this guy isn't on the team. They actually, they, they really have treated their European free agents poorly because that's kind of the same thing with Antipin. Antipin. Really, he wasn't good, but like, no, but they, they didn't they get didn't that much give, of a shot. But that was the thing. Well, that's the thing too, where Antipin wasn't great, but I mean, what did he get? Like 15 games and they put him in the press box for 10 and then like they'd throw him out there for five. It's like he had no consistency. 
granted when he, you know, I mean, so he will, but I, I don't think he was very good, but you're right. It's the same exact principle. It really is like, you're just abusing these guys. Like, why would any agent advise a European free agent to, to, to pick Buffalo? I just don't get it. When you're just going to repeatedly get put in the doghouse. Yeah. Right, you'll never make it. You'll never even yeah. get here. Right. It's, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, even with Gergensen's probably out for, or definitely out for the year now, Yeah. like that they have Sheehan and Reader and, and Eakin, like they send some of these guys for the, the, the bottom six. It's like, they have no faith in your son. Right. And obviously, I mean, Asplin, like you said, he, was pretty mad last year yeah it's 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 annoying because it's not like you can just get rid of those guys if like it turns out roots lining comes up at some point and is like good it's like well you're stuck with all these guys you have three guys on i think they're all on one-way deals if i'm not mistaken so good luck with that i guess well that's i mean their entire approach to to the bottom six i think you know there's no question that it it's the last two years it's been a mess it's broken. It's been a mess where you, like you said, Anthony, you're not looking for guys where you can maybe maximize, you know, the, the contributions of what you can get out of the, out of those spots. Like, are you trying to make the playoffs? Like, do you really think that just, again, bringing back the exact same defense goalie and, you know, majority of your bottom six, do you think that that's going to be what's going to get you over the hump? Because as history has taught us, AKA the last nine years of you not making the playoffs, that doesn't work. No. at all so i mean what do you even do you just kind of got to shrug and just i guess see what happens isn't it great we're not even into the season yet and we're already having these conversations and that's and, and you know what's so funny i try to reel myself in when i get get to this spot too because it's like i really think for as much as it's oh wow it's the same things we predicted last year right i mean for, from an analytics standpoint just saying like oh look it's the same failure to optimize it's the same whatever right and not optimizing Reinhardt, not having him be a line driver. It, it's the right. same stuff. Right. And so like that part of me, it, it, it almost feels routine, but it, I try not to be that way right away. Cause like at, at the end of the day, I, you do need to see him play on the ice. You yeah. do need to see them in games to make a determination. Right. So I'm irritated, but I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm going to start like ranting fire the coach because that's, that's kind of crazy, but I will say I, I get everyone's frustration. I have plenty of it. Believe me. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of typing up our, our season preview article at expected Buffalo. And it's my fourth consecutive year of, of being just such a cynical jerk. And I feel bad about it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to tell you how I feel it is. And last season I projected 81 points and they were on pace for 80 when the season got canceled. And I'm like, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I, I, I won't lie to you. It, well, it's, it doesn't this, look great, but hey, hey, I will say this okay. for everybody out there who's looking for like a morsel of hope, because I think people this time of year are listening to podcasts, like someone will say something to make them feel better. I've got a little something for you. The lack of predictability from a number standpoint, I'm talking about all the guys you see right now in the analytics community, putting together their projected standings and Buffalo's last or second last in all of them. I will say this, this is a very unprecedented slate of competition where you're playing the same seven teams over and over. And if a specific team has a couple numbers, right? They've got this guy's number, they got this team's number and they got that. You can put something together if you match up well, even though you're maybe not a discernibly better team, if you can match up well and you keep playing these guys over and over, it could lend yourself to 
a bigger boom and also a bigger fall. But let's look at the other way because <laughs> why would we do that to ourselves? So uh, it, it's the least predictable season, Saber season, I since I've been in the analytics community. So take solace in that. It's a lot harder than than you know you, you it, it you know a regular year where the Atlantic Division is what it is and you're playing playing everybody and yeah this will be different and uh, you know it's gonna come down to tactics well a little bit of hope there you go. we love a little, 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 little something for you love to, yeah we love that well this seems like a great place to transition actually so why don't we hop into uh something that i have been very excited for uh our division predictions we're going to go through each of the four divisions uh, the East, the North, the Central, and the West, and we are going to rank how we think each of these divisions are going to shake out and who ultimately is going to make the playoffs. So I think it's only appropriate that we start off with the East division. Uh, the teams in the division this year, just as a reminder for everybody, is Buffalo, the Rangers, the Islanders, New Jersey, Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Philadelphia. So for this one, I will go first with, uh, with my predictions for how I think this is going to shake out. Uh, it, coming in first place, I think at the end of the season will be the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that, I, that that's a little bit of a shocking one because I think people would probably lean towards Boston first, but... I think that Philly has a, a pretty deep lineup as it is right now. I'm a big believer in Carter Hart, as most people are, uh, and I'm expecting him to take a big step this year. But I just like Philly's makeup. I think that, like I said, you know, least amount of question marks. I think um, them compared to my second place team, which is Boston. Boston, I think, is a little bit thin on the blue line. I have some questions for them there. Um, I don't think that them losing Chara is anything to worry about. Taylor and I had talked about this before that just, you know, he's, he's up there in age now. He really wasn't going to contribute more than bottom pair minutes to a team. And even at that, you're probably looking at somebody who's going to be a little bit of a defensive liability. Um, but then in third place, I am taking Washington. Uh, I think that there's some question marks there for them in net specifically Ilya Samsonov has shown that he can be a good goalie. We'll see if that can translate and he can actually live up to his potential of being a first round draft pick. Um, and you know, being the guy, I think that he has a lot more pressure on him now with Lundqvist out for the year. Uh, but you know, I just think that Washington has their big guns are all back. You know, they're going to have Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Carlson, uh, <coughs> Oshie Backstrom, so I feel really good about them. Uh, outside of that, this is where things kind of start to get a, a little bit dicey for me. I was going back and forth for this fourth spot between the Penguins and the Islanders. Um, and it's tough because with Pittsburgh, you know, similar uh, question marks and goal. We don't know if Tristan Jari is, is, is capable of, of handling that full workload of being a starter. But, uh, and also the, I think Pittsburgh's defense is atrocious. However, they are very lucky to have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on their team. So um, I feel like they're going to, you know, they'll be okay. Uh, and then the Islanders, I mean, like we said, they're not the most overwhelming team. They are what they are, but they're maybe the best coach team in hockey. So this is pretty much a toss up for me, but just because it's Pittsburgh, I'm going to go Pittsburgh, then the Islanders, then I'm going to go to the Sabres after Pittsburgh Coming in sixth, seventh, I have the Rangers, and eight, I have the Devils. I think that's relatively fair, all things considered. I don't know. What, what do you guys got? Anthony, you want to share your East predictions? 
Yeah. So, so mine's in, I, I have some, some contrasting opinions, of, but there are some similarities. So we'll go okay. with this, right? So I think Boston is going to end up first. I know they're without David Pasternak for probably the first month, but uh, I do feel they're the most complete lineup. Yes, they have a definite depth issue on defense, but what's interesting is while their bottom four on defense are, are relatively unknown players, they're all actually pretty positive impact guys, though they are kind of all getting promotions a little bit, right? They're right. going to be asked to do a little more. So we'll yeah. see if those um, underlying numbers kind of hold true with, with that increased workload. So they're interesting to me. I do feel that they're the most complete team, though. Um, so I've got them number one. Now, my number two team is, is a little different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with your main point about this team. I've got okay. the Pittsburgh Penguins at number two. And so I'm going to tell you something. The Pittsburgh Penguins overall, I feel, have an outstanding defense and a terrible third pairing. So here, they're, yeah, okay. They're, All right, so, so, so metrically, right, if they play that third pair like a third pair, right, they should be in actually really good shape. And, and the analytics actually tell you that their top two will do enough to catapult them to a point where they have the most positive impact defense in the division because Dumoulin and Latang are a fantastic duo and Marino and the other guy's name is escaping me right now, which is excellent timing, but John Marino on your second pairing, uh, they're supposed to I like him. Him. Yeah. I do like Marino a lot. Quite good. Right. So I actually feel that their defensive top four is the best top four in the division. Their third pair though, is the worst third pair in the division. Okay. So, so, I, I agree that their, their, their depth on defense is very poor. However, if their defensive top four stays healthy and they lean on them the way they should, I feel that they're actually really strong on the blue line. So that's, Dang. so that's a big part of the reason I like Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh's okay. my number two team. Okay. Coming in at number three, I have the Washington Capitals. Um, they're not outstanding anywhere, but they're also not weak anywhere. And I, I feel that that balance, not having a discernible weakness. Now, like you said, Samsonov, what he does is going to play a big role for them, right? right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm maybe banking on him a little bit here. But I think it, it, in a situation like this where you don't have anything really that your opponents can regularly exploit, I think that really helps you out in this situation. So I also had a tough tiebreaker for fourth place because uh, – I had it between Philly and New York, the Islanders. And it goes back to what I said before. I feel your tactician, your best tacticians behind the bench will kind of reign supreme in this kind of layout. So I did give that fourth spot to the Islanders. I know I do have Philly in fifth. Uh, I do have a little bit of data behind that. Uh, Okay. Last year, they out, they probably outperformed more than any other uh, Eastern conference team for what they were expected to do. Mm -hmm. And they, toward the end of the year, actually, you saw their metrics kind of start to plunge it and it actually really made me wonder if they would have even made the playoffs if uh, the season finished because they were really on a downward trajectory. So I worry about them. They do have young guys who are growing. I love Carter Hart. He's my fantasy keeper. He better be awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I like Philly. I think they're a very good team. I just think that the, the teams ahead of them are stronger. I mean, it's a strong division. So a good team is going to miss. And I think Philly's a good team, but I do feel they'll miss. But we'll see. Okay. Like okay. I said, like I said, very, very close between them and New York for me. Fair. Who do you got for um, the end? And then the end of my division is identical to yours. I have the Sabres coming in sixth, the Rangers in seventh, and the Devils in eighth. Very nice. Taylor, what do you got? 
All right, mine's definitely more similar to Brendan's, uh, but <laughs> it's, I have, and I will say also, like, I don't know, like a kind of a note for this, that this is going to be like a 52 game season played over four months and right. 50, 56, 52, yeah, 56, yeah. 56 game season over four months. So like a- after some of these teams haven't played for 10 months, so I think it's going to be a weird season and I don't oh really have God. any confidence in any of this, mm-hmm. but I have Philly winning the division. Uh, I liked Philly last year. They definitely disappointed in the playoffs, but I really have a lot of faith in Carter Hart. Like it's crazy to say you have faith in Philadelphia goalie, but like, <laughs> they, I think they really have a good one. And that's, that's the main thing. And I don't know that I trust any team in this division to be like a true, like really, really good division winner, like a, a, a team that like in a, in a normal season would go for like 110 plus points. Mm. But I think of the teams that were really good last year, I think they had the least bad off season. Um, okay. Then Boston uh, second, uh, they're great. Obviously uh, Tuka will be back for them. No Chara, no Tory Krug. Pasternak out for a decent chunk of the year. So I feel like that is enough to put Philly just ahead of them. Uh, Washington third. I, I think every year that Washington should eventually just fall off like every year, but they didn't do it with Reardon, who I think was not a very good coach and now they have Laviolette. So it's in, I mean, I think Char is kind of like a, la- not a lateral move, but it's kind of like a, it eh, doesn't really matter move probably outside the locker room, mm-hmm. but they're a veteran team anyway. So. I think they're fine in the locker room. Eventually Ovechkin will probably get old, but I don't really want to bet on that. Uh, and basically along the same lines, that's why I have Pittsburgh fourth. So I'm going to have the Islanders out of the playoffs. Uh, Pittsburgh has made the playoffs 14 years in a row. The Capitals made it 12 of the last 13. So I think this is at this point, a not biting against them kind of thing. And on, to Pittsburgh's credit, you could say that last year they had an insane amount of injuries, even to Crosby. Crosby missed a bunch of time and they still made the playoffs. And I think they made it decently comfortably. And they were on um, pace for 102 points in the standings. Yeah. So like, and you can say they'll almost like, they'll almost certainly be healthier, um, but they are old and it is a short season. So I, I'm going to have them fourth. Uh, the Islanders fifth. I like you guys think Barry Trotz has done a great job. And I feel like at some point the Islanders lack of talent has to catch up to them. And the fact that they obviously won't be with Taze uh, this coming year, they got Barzell locked down, which is good for them. But like, I don't know. And they can't, they, I don't, I don't know how long they can do this. I mean, they've overperformed two years in a row to like a ridiculous degree. And I kind of don't think that they can do that again, but we'll see. Uh, I didn't feel that strongly enough that I would put Buffalo ahead of them. So I have Buffalo sixth. Uh, I just like, I wouldn't bet against Washington or Pittsburgh. I wouldn't really bet on the Sabres until you see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to need to see it before I believe it. I mean, Hall and Stahl are great signings, but I think the bottom six got worse the goaltending defense stayed the same. We'll see. And then the Rangers. So with the Rangers, uh, they were definitely a, a step ahead last year where people thought they'd be, but, and the, and they're adding Lafreniere. So that's big. I would add two things that I don't think are sustainable. I think both of their goalies last year were really good. And I, even though I think they're both really good, talented guys, you're not likely to be that good two years in a row. So I think they're probably going to take at least a slight hit goaltending wise uh, with Shishchurkin and, and Georgiev. And then also Panarin. Panarin was maybe the best forward in hockey last year. Uh, and he's really good, obviously. He's great. But usually I, I would expect something of a fall off there because that was a career year. And he's 
close to 30. So it's like, he's not like he's like out of his prime or he's about to fall off, but it's like, if he was really that, that good, he'd be that good every year. And he's just very good, not MVP level good. So I think both of those paces are unsustainable. I think they'll get a little bit worse. I think they're going to be, they're going to have an interest in playing Lafreniere and Kako a lot. Obviously Kako was awful last year. Lafreniere, even if he's good, he is an 18 year old. So we'll see. They're going to be playing a lot of young guys. And I think there's a lot of bad vibes with Tony D'Angelo. So mm. we'll see. I like the devil's last. The devil's like finished strong last year, but talent wise, they're still really not there. Even with these other teams, uh, they, they have some guys, but I mean, I'm still kind of a, I'm very skeptical of Jack Hughes. Uh, I like he sure, but I don't think he's someone that really can. I mean, even Eichel can't carry his team to the playoffs and he's significantly better than he sure. So I, uh, I think they're they're pretty much everyone's pick for last. But I do real quick want to shout out the Quack Report podcast, it's specifically Carter from the Quack Report. Hell yeah! The Sabers third in the division. Wow. Yep. Anthony, wow. the Quack Report is our our Anaheim affiliate for the hockey podcast. Okay. Network. Yeah, they had nice. one of the guys had us third, and then another I think had us fifth. The other host. Wow. Had us fifth. Yeah. Okay. So big shout outs to them. You're not going to be as happy with our ranking for the, my ranking for the Ducks for the West. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we move up North now and we will take a look at the Canadian division in the North, whatever the hell the sponsor name is for the North. Uh, All right. Who wants to take this one first? Cause I think I have a little bit of a a surprise for my top team here as well. Anthony, you want to go first? Uh, Sure. So I do feel, and I know this is the worst, it's like sacrilegious to say this, but I, I do feel Toronto will be number one. Um, I, I know if you want to talk about a team that has a perceived bottom six deficiency that really did a good job of balancing their lines in their camp, Toronto did a really nice job. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, and I, man, I love TJ Brody. He was my favorite defensive free agent and it stings me that he went there because God, I love him. But uh, they, they did a lot to improve. I, I think the Leafs are going to be really good. Um, my number two team is going to be interesting to some people, I think. Um, I've got the Montreal Canadiens number two. And wow. I'm banking, I know. Wow. I'm, banking on, I'm banking on a healthy carry price, which is a really interesting thing to bank on. But um, I think that they've got, they've got this weird – Oh man, they're, they, they almost remind me of the Capitals a little bit, not in the, in any like discernible way, but like just in the sense that I don't see a glaring deficiency. I don't see anywhere where it's like, that's where you attack the Canadians. That's where they will fall down. Right. They're not amazing anywhere, except unless Carey Price is healthy. Right. But they're also not terrible anywhere either. And so again, I, I think in a different format in a regular format in the NHL, I wouldn't have them so high, but I think this kind of benefits them how things are set up. Um, my number three team is the Calgary flames. I know that's terrible because they're literally the Sabres of the Western conference and that they keep <laughs> falling short of fan expectations. And, uh, but I just think on paper, they, they've got enough talent to do it. And that's even after losing TJ Brody, which yikes, that's a big loss. Um, number four, I've got the Oilers, Connor McDavid, dry They have literally nothing else on that team, but I don't know if they need anything more than that. Uh, and this, this next team was tough for me to keep out because I, I actually think on paper they could very easily crack the top four, but um, I've got the Canucks coming in at fifth. Um, I think I probably underrated them. Uh, again, though, I, want, I wanted to be a little ballsy with the Canadians' take, but I do, I do think Canucks are, are that kind of fringe team who could really, really 
uh, prove me wrong, make me look stupid. Uh, and then I've got the Jets and then the Senators, which I think is probably pretty obvious. Those are your pretty clear bottom two teams, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Taylor? All right, so unfortunately, I also have Toronto at the top. Uh, like Anthony said, they've made a lot of really good moves this offseason. They've also, you know, signed Zach Bogosian and Jimmy VC. so Yikes. not all great. So Wayne Simmons. A, Wayne Simmons. Wayne yeah, Simmons, they're... yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of stink on them, but they're going to be really good. They, and... took, they looked at themselves in the mirror and said, hey, you know what? We need more savers. <laughs> <laughs> As all the good um, teams do. <laughs> oh, man. And honestly, this division is crap awful awful division it's i mean if toronto doesn't make i don't know how i assume the playoffs are being done by division so you it'll be one versus four two versus three Mm -hmm. so if toronto doesn't make the conference finals this year it's a failure uh and they should be embarrassed but so looking at this i actually have calgary second just because i couldn't i couldn't really decide among these teams uh calgary was the one seed in the west two years ago and got upset in the first round. So I think they're good. And like you said, they've been falling short of expectations, but I would expect to bounce back from Gaudreau in some way. Um, obviously losing Brody hurts and eventually Giordano should get old, but I guess we'll see when that happens. Um, and then I have Montreal third. I liked Montreal's off season as well. Unfortunately, I think they're good. Like you said, they have no glaring weaknesses. Uh, they got Allen to back up price. So I don't love Allen as a goalie, but he's like, I think much better as a backup when he's not playing every night. Uh, I have Vancouver fourth. Uh, Vancouver really more so than I think people like to admit was relying on his goaltending last year and they don't have Markstrom anymore. I think they'll still be good with Demko. Mm-hmm. I think Demko's good, but they will be playing Braden Holpe a little bit. And I'm really not sure about him at this point. Um, I guess we'll see, but yeah, I, I, I like them. Patterson, I assume he continues to, to get better. Uh, Hughes, uh, Besser, but then I don't really love their bottom six or their or their I don't love their depth in general I should say mm-hmm. in pretty much any phase and that includes Holby uh but I have them making the playoffs because I think they have a couple league guys and this division's not good but Edmonton fifth uh I don't believe in them and I think they've given me a lot of evidence to say I'm correct but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Edmonton's in there over Vancouver uh and then Winnipeg and Ottawa Winnipeg they they made the quote-unquote playoffs last year the 2014 playoffs but they like if the real playoffs have been held, they had a real shot at missing with mm-hmm. a goalie who was the Vesna winner and was by far the best goalie in the league, not even close. Uh, so that speaking on sustainability, Hellebuck will not be that good again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really got that much better defense. So you should, we should probably expect them to give up quite a few goals this year compared to last year, at least. And then Ottawa last, I mean, at some point Ottawa should probably be better. Um, and they have, they have some interesting young guys, but I don't expect that to be this year. Can I say something interesting? Because I feel that Winnipeg and Ottawa are so far like the bad of the bad, and because you're playing the same seven teams, despite being the weakest division overall, I think the winner of that division wins the President's Trophy. That For makes that sense. reason. Yeah. Definitely fair. All right. Well, you know what, guys? I am going to allow myself to be petty. Um, I don't have the Leafs first. Do I think they probably will end up first? I do, but I don't care. I will be a petty Sabres fan. I have no qualms or reservations about it. And you know why? Because the Calgary Flames are going to finish Mm. atop the North Division. I completely agree with you, and I think that losing Brody is tough for them. However, I do think... The difference between Markstrom and Riddich is 
pretty significant. Um, I think that that's going to make a huge difference for them. I think as far as Toronto goes, they definitely did make some nice moves. And I think bringing in Brody was a great call for them. And it's going to help them out considering that defense has been an Achilles heel for them. But I, I have my doubts. I don't know. I just, I I hate them, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) no, but like objectively speaking though, I don't know. I guess you can consider me with the crowd that like overrates Calgary. I will say two years ago, we did do a preseason prediction and I ranked that Calgary was going to come out of the West then. And I think that they're going to do it again. Now I was very proud of myself then because I was totally taking a shot in the dark, but I think it's going to happen again this time around. I think that you're going to have, um, Goudreau is going to be great. I think Moynihan is going to have a nice return to form. Um, They do have some problems with depth, but I still think that, again, this is a really underwhelming division and just the the general setup of it. I think that I like Calgary coming out of the North. Second, I do have Toronto. Um, I'm not going to be that irrational. Um, They're definitely good enough. I think they're probably the deepest team in the division. Uh, and are maybe not the most top heavy because the most top heavy team of course is Edmonton. I have them at three. I do think that, uh, again, I'm just really looking at this division. I, I just do not think it's very good. I don't think it's going to be like super competitive. Maybe at the top it will be, but I just think that having McDavid and dries is, is going to take them similar to how I feel about Pittsburgh in a sense. Um, you know, I don't know. I I just feel good about them just being able to produce and put up points. Um, They did make, I mean, some minimal additions uh, in the off season. However, I don't feel confident about uh, Koskinen going into the season being their starter. Uh, I I think that that is a a huge Achilles heel for them. And I think that if they would have gotten in on some of the goalies that were in play this season, that Edmonton would maybe be the favorite coming out of the North. Um, There's just too many question marks in goal though. Uh, fourth, I have the Vancouver Canucks. I like Vancouver a lot. I like their young talent. Um, talking about some of the guys who we had mentioned before, of course, I, you know, with Peterson, I think that he's on the verge of taking a big step. Quinn Hughes had an, an insanely impressive rookie year last year. And I think that he's only going to get better and, and further cement himself in the upper echelon of, of top end defense of young top end defensemen with the likes of, of Cal McCarr and uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Miro Heiskanen. Um, I, I just, I have all of the faith in the world in Quinn Hughes. I think that he is going to just be a superstar forever. Um, so I like Vancouver a lot. I think, yeah, definitely question marks with Demko and with Holtby, but I think it's enough to get them over the edge. Um, in fifth, I do have Montreal. I do like some of their, I did like some of their moves that they made in the off season. However, um, I was really not a fan of the Josh Anderson and Domi trade. And I'm mainly really not a fan of it because of the contract that they gave Josh Anderson. Um, I know it wasn't the highest on the AAV side, but giving him seven years when he is just had nothing but injuries, I think, I don't know. It's banking on a lot for a guy who just has not been there consistently enough to maybe give out a deal like that. Um, but again, healthy carry price, you never know what can happen. Um, we know they have Philip Deneau, who is an incredible two-way center up top. They have some other, you know, 
solid like scorers on the team and as well as a pretty decent defense too with uh with Shea Weber, Victor Mete um and some other younger guys as well coming through the pipeline there so I, I think that they'll just be on the outside but again I think with that four or five slot it could be interchangeable with them in Vancouver uh and then rounding out yeah I have Winnipeg and Ottawa really not much to say on top of what you guys had already said there so let's then we'll move into the central division um I don't know about you guys but I really wish the Sabres would have been in the central division uh, I think we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago that uh, geographically, I think the two closest teams to the Sabres in terms of mileage, if I'm not mistaken, were uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit, I believe. Uh, and so with that in mind, I was kind of hoping like, oh, maybe they'll lump us in with Detroit because it didn't initially make sense to have like Tampa and Florida in the same division as Chicago and Minnesota. Um, but in any event though, uh, where are we at with the central division? Who wants to start this one? Taylor, you want to go first? I don't think you Yeah, sure. I'll start that. So this is, I think obviously the North division is the weakest. I think this is solidly third in terms of the toughest divisions. It's not, it's not a very good division, even though it has the, (laughs) both participants in the last Stanley cup in it, Mm -hmm. which is insane. Uh, beyond that, I don't think there's much. So yeah, I'll start off with the reigning Stanley cup champions, Tampa Bay. Uh, they're really good. I don't have much to say about Tampa Bay. They're incredible with everything, but they won't have Kucherov, which would be interesting. So I don't think that matters that much though for them. They're just that good. And they're that deep. Uh, I have to have Dallas second. Uh, I mean, they made the Stanley cup last year. How can I not? Uh, I mean, they aren't your, they weren't your typical cup team in terms of talent. But I do like Heiskanen a lot, obviously. You assume Sagan should be better at some point? I think him and Bishop are supposed to be back like end of February-ish, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see on both of those. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, yeah, uh, they're they're good. (laughs) Moving on, Carolina. Uh, Carolina was kind of a disappointment last year, getting swept in the first round year after making the conference finals. Uh, Again, they're really solid on defense. Svechnikov continues to get better. Uh, Morozik is good, so they're fine. Uh, Florida, Florida making the playoffs. Uh, that's how. That's why wow. I came to the conclusion that this is <laughs> uh, not a good division, not a division I like. I don't have that much good to say about Florida. They've been kind of, since they won the division a few years ago, they've been kind of hovering in the same spot, which is just outside of the playoffs. So I, I don't love them, and they, I don't think they were particularly impressive when they were in the playoffs last year, but – uh, I, I really just don't like the rest of this division because uh, the next team I have is, is Columbus in fifth. Uh, I don't think you're going to get that same goaltending that they got last year, every year out of them. Uh, they obviously, they have some talent. Uh, they have, I, I, I guess he's a pretty good coach in Tortorella. I mean, they've, they've continued to play well a uh, year after year under him, but I think that's when this comes to an end. I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. Uh, if Nashville after that, uh, they have the reigning Norris trophy winner. Uh, but I don't love what they have elsewhere. Don't I, I? I just I don't feel great about Nashville. I think pretty much since they made the cup, they've got well. Actually, no, they won the President's Trophy in 2018, 2017, 18, mm-hmm. and they've gotten significantly worse both years. So we mentioned earlier, Pekarene terrible last year, but yeah, he's not the starter anymore. I don't think you're going to get solid goaltending the way they have in years past. We'll see with UC Saros. I don't know. Uh, and then I have Chicago after that. Chicago looks awful. Chicago does not look good at all. Uh, Corey Crawford just retired. Taze uh, is hurt. So Taze, I mean, kind of like a weird thing going on. We don't know when we're going to see Taze. 
the rest of the Curry lineup is not very good. Too. Curry Doc's hurt. Yeah. They're yeah, they're extremely not talented. Uh, they still have Pat Kane, but you know he only plays on one half of the ice. And then Detroit last. Detroit was like the worst team by a mile last year. They probably would have had a lower point total than the 2015 Sabres, even if the season went on. But yeah, so I mean they've gotten a little bit better. They can't be that bad again, but I think they'll be worse, and they probably will still be the worst team in the league. So, Taylor, when you got to Columbus, I started laughing, not because I disagreed, but because we have the exact same rankings for this division. Oh, wow. Literally from top to bottom. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's I've, got, I've got Tampa first. Uh, even without Kucherov, I feel they're the most complete team in the division. Um, I waffled between uh, Dallas and Carolina for second and third. Uh, I think they're, they're pretty evenly matched. Um, I'm giving Dallas the, the nod, I guess, or, or the tiebreaker because they did make the cup and, and Kudobin did really, really well for them. So if he can duplicate that performance, they're also a really complete team and they surprised a lot of people, but in retrospect, looking at their lineup, maybe they shouldn't have, maybe it should have been that much of a surprise. So um, I like them at number two, uh, Carolina, I, I feel are, man, they're like the, the gold standard with how you build a team through analytics. And, and it's that money ball approach where, I, I just think everything they do is like really smart and they're not a big budget team, but, but they don't have to be to be competitive. And, and they're really impressive to me uh, for that reason. Uh, I also have Florida breaking in at number four, because <laughs> I think they had the best off season of any team in the NHL uh, all very low key, like under the radar signings, but man, Bill Zito, he, he must've had evolving hockey pulled up because he picked out some like every analytics darling that was available via free agency. So I love what he did. I think Bill Zito did an amazing job to get this team to be extremely competitive and surprise a lot of people. Uh, I have Columbus fifth because again, they're a good team. I think they've overachieved a little bit though. Um, in the, over the last two years, I guess. Uh, so I've got them coming in fifth Nashville sixth. I think they're, a tier below if I'm being honest I don't think they're deep enough and and I think they've got they almost remind me a little bit of like that 2009 2010 Sabres team where like the top of your lineup was was all second liners like you really didn't have you know what I mean like those those big guns right to really take your tough matchups so I I think they're maybe a little better than they're giving credit for but definitely not a playoff team to me uh, and then Chicago and Detroit. And the only reason Chicago's not last is because Detroit exists. So they're both really bad. Yep. <laughs> well said. All right. I'm a little bit different than you guys. I, I do have a, a couple of uh, discrepancies here. So at the top, I do have Tampa Bay, of course. Um, I think it's definitely sucks losing Kucherov, but we also have to keep in mind, even though having an impact winger, who's a, a few years younger, uh, they did play all of last season without Steven Stamkos. So this is, this team knows how to fill in when they're missing their star players. Um, and you also still have arguably, you know, not even arguably, you have a top three goalie in the league in Veslevsky. You have Victor Hedman, who's arguably the best defenseman in the league year to year. Um, and you have just unlimited firepower in your forward ranks. So I like Tampa Bay a lot. Number two, Carolina, I have over Dallas. Uh, I have Dallas at number oh. three. But the reason is because I feel like I believe in both Carolina being able to take another step this year while Dallas, I think is going to regress a little bit. Um, I think that not having Sagan and Bishop, at least for the start of the season, it could hurt them a little bit because I don't know how much I really like Dallas's forward depth that much. 
Um, I think that they leave a little bit to be desired compared to Carolina, I should say. Um, I just think, as you said, Anthony, I think that the way that Carolina is, is constructed as a team, um, really just like leaning into analytics and just, I, I mean, even beyond that, it's not like Carolina is great because it's guys who are, are analytics darlings, but also just guys who are like just awesome at hockey who are really, mm-hmm. really good. You know, you have Svechnikov who is, who is an amazing goal scorer, who's going to be a force in this league for, you know, 10 to 15 years. You have Aho leading the way as their number one center down the middle. And on defense, I mean, you have a guy who is maybe one of the best, like the new Nicholas Yarmelson, if you want to say, and Jacob Slavin, but maybe with even a little bit more offensive potential. Um, I mean, Slavin is just as consistent as they come. Um, he, he checks out every metric in the eye test. I mean, he, he's just great. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have Dougie Hamilton, who's coming off of an incredible year too. I have a lot of faith in him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to Mrazic, but I think that he's going to be able to get the job done third. As I had said, I have Dallas. I just think that they maybe are going to take a step back. I like them overall. And I think that they're going to pretty, they're pretty easily like the top three, I think is very, very set in this division. Um, because I do have some differences with you guys once we get to four on until the, like the last two. Um, but I think that Dallas is, is, is firmly, they're going to be second or third, uh, fourth. I wanted to take a little bit of a risk for a couple of reasons. And I'm going with Nashville, um, in the fourth spot instead of Florida, who I have fifth, I think this is a toss up, but I do think that in spite of the question marks and goal with UC Saros, I think that if you look at the forward production that they had gotten last year, I like the potential of some of those guys bouncing back a bit. Um, I think that Philip Forsberg, you know, everybody knows what he is and he's obviously good, but I just think that he's still even a little bit underrated. Um, what's really what I think this all kind of comes down to for me is maybe not like a return to form, but a bounce back from Duchesne and Johansson for them. Because if you have that solid one, two punch down the middle, um, I think that the supporting cast that they have there is going to be enough to get them to the four spot when you have like Arvidsson, for example, like he's had the injury bug recently, but I think if he could stay healthy that you're going to be looking, I don't know. I, I just think and that they got Grandland now too. And yeah. And uh, Grandland. And then, I mean, as we had said before, Roman Yossi as well. So you have the roaming Norris, the, the reigning Norris trophy winner um, rounding out the rest of this division though. Uh, five, I have Florida, all the reasons you guys said, I do like Florida. And I think that's a toss up with them in Nashville. I love their moves this off season. They probably had the best one, but for me, I kept them out just because I think Bobrovsky is over the hill. I, I don't, I, I mean, it's, that's really all it's going to come down to. If Bobrovsky plays well for them this year, even average for them, I should say, I think they're going to get that four spot, no doubt. But I don't know if I have that faith in him. Um, and just also it's like Florida. So I'm just kind of assuming that it's not going to work out. Uh, I say that of course, as a Sabres fan uh, <laughs> six, I have Columbus agreed with you guys. I don't know if the goaltending is sustainable. However, I would like it if the Sabres would have picked up either Elvis or uh, Jonas in the off season, but that's neither here nor there. And then, yeah, same, th- same way I have Chicago coming in seven and then Detroit coming in last so let's move on now. Uh, we could wrap this up quickly with the West. I actually disagree. I think with you, Taylor, I think the West is maybe like in contention for the, like the second worst, if not the worst division. Um, I think it's very, very top heavy. They had three um, teams out of seven who missed the playoffs last year. Right. Yeah. So I, I, it doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence for me, but the top is, is very, very heavy. I think, 
uh it's interesting like to me i mean if it's the western conference you were probably if we had normal conferences you would have had uh i would have had probably colorado and vegas as my one and two anyways and that's what i have in this um colorado as we had mentioned before you know the devin case pickup is great for them i think if they're going to have bowen byram this year as well mixed it mixing them into that decor um and then i mean we know what they have on forward like they're great uh, so I have a lot of faith in them. Vegas, same thing. It's kind of a, a toss up for me between the two. Um, I feel really good about Vegas and, and their prospects this year. I think that that's pretty much a no brainer. That's going to be kind of the, the final two coming out of that division, uh, rolling through then I have St. Louis third, maybe a little bit of a shocker here for four, but, uh, I'm going to go San Jose in the fourth spot. I'm going to say that by some miracle, uh, Devin Dubnik is going to make it happen for them. You're going to get a bounce back from, you know, from Carlson. Um, they still have some talented guys on forward at, at forward too, with, with Couture and hurdle and Kane Brent Burns is still there. Um, don't love some of the complimentary pieces that they have, but I'm still, I don't know. I think that Tampa or that, uh, San Jose is maybe going to turn it around. And, uh, I think that just playing a shortened schedule. If there's one team in that division that I think it's going to help with, I think it's going to be San Jose. Um, then fifth, I have Minnesota sixth, Arizona, uh, seven Anaheim and eight. I have LA Anthony. What do you got for yours? Yeah, I think we're pretty similar at the top. Um, I feel Colorado is the best team in the league and they added one of my favorite defensemen. Like we talked about before and Devin Taves, I think they're my Stanley cup favorite personally. Um, Vegas, though, is a – man, they're very close to being as good if they're not already as good as Colorado. So I, you might have the two best teams in the NHL right at the top there. So uh, third, I've got St. Louis, just like you. Uh, then my fourth team is a little different. Um, so I also have a surprise. I am picking Ooh. the Arizona Coyotes as my fourth team. Wow. Uh, yes. So I love Christian Dvorak. Dvorak. I love uh, Connor Garland. I think that they are two of the most underrated forwards in the NHL, personally. Um, I, I just think they did a lot of, a little bit like a, an offseason, kind of like a Florida light. They did a lot of very money ball moves, and they added one of my favorite players in Johan Larson. So I think that they did enough down. The, I think they have enough strength down the middle to be competitive and, and be the best of, like we said, a, a really uninspiring remaining bunch of teams after those top three. I really don't think any of them stick out as particularly excellent. Right. So um, I've got them being my surprise team in that West division coming in fourth uh, fifth. I have the sharks. So very close to you, Brennan. I, I think that they're, I think they're probably a better team than Arizona, but I just, I like Arizona a little bit better. I do. I just, I, I don't have enough confidence that the Sharks will bounce back. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, but wouldn't surprise me if they didn't either. Uh, then fifth or sixth, I think, Matt, yeah, sixth, I've got the Minnesota Wild, uh, and only because I think they're discernibly better than both the Ducks and Kings. Mm. Is that what you got for your last two Ducks and yeah, then Ducks, Ducks and Kings? Yep. Okay. Very nice. Taylor, what do you got? All right, so at the top, uh, Lucky Bull said they have two great teams. It's a toss-up. So to me, I just went with Vegas. has been healthier the past few years in Colorado, so I put them first. Uh, Colorado second. Uh, huge drop-off after that, too. Even though this team won the Stanley Cup less than two years ago, St. Louis, I think they're still really solid. Obviously, they're going to be without Pietrangelo. I, that'll hurt them a lot, but they still, to me, have a really, really solid team. 
I, I mean, I don't love Jordan Bennington, but I like him. I think he's solid enough. Uh, obviously, our, our old pal O'Reilly, uh, fantastic, <laughs> incredible two-way guy. And just in general, like they, even when they won the cup, they didn't have like this kind of like jump, jump out at you talent, but they – they they're good and they get it done. And I think they'll continue to do that without Pietrangelo. I have Minnesota fourth. Uh, they're incredibly boring as they always are. Uh, but I think they're kind of solid defensively. Uh, I don't love Garen as a GM, especially after that, whatever the hell that hall trade was with us. But I think this year in particular, they're going to be pretty good, solid enough to take this four spot because I really don't like this back half. And I'm going to, I think break with you guys a little bit on this, uh, but I'll uh, I'll get to the, get to that in a second. Uh, I have San Jose fifth. San Jose was awful last year defensively. The awful goaltending. They don't have Thornton anymore, but they still have enough talent where it's like, what if Brent Burns and Eric Carlson both bounce back? They're playing on the same defense. They have a couple guys that I think make me interested enough to think that they could be in that four spot, but also the way they played last year and the collective ages on this team, I wouldn't be too shocked if they're in the eighth spot either. Um, so after them, I have LA. Uh, I don't, wow. I mean, yeah, well, we'll get to a point I'm going to make here. I don't like LA right now. It's, it's bad. It's ugly. They do still have Kopitar. They still have some of the core of that team that won the cup, which is actually seven years ago now that I say that. Uh, and they have some interesting young guys and that's about it. That's all I can say for them. Anaheim next. I don't like Anaheim either. They were also very bad last year. They're also very much rebuilding. Uh, and I don't like their young guys as much as LA. And last, so I'm gonna have to explain this. My I have coyotes. Are the coyotes last. Uh, I don't disagree with what you said. This is purely a vibes pick. So they are some weird <laughs> hey, stuff going listen. on. They got blown off the ice against Colorado last year. Uh, they did make, they made the playoffs, quote unquote. They made the 2014 playoffs. Uh, their weird grifter child GM had to quit. Not really clear <laughs> why. Um, they didn't have like their first three round picks. And then they, like their fourth round pick, like, bullied oh, a God. disabled kid and they had to cut him oh, so they didn't really have their top name, four yeah. picks yeah so i don't love the vibes coming out of there right now not that arizona's ever really had good vibes but to me it's really bad right now larson obviously great pickup for the price and i don't particularly remember a lot of their pickups but a lot of the analytics people seem to be happy with their you know off season so i guess they probably did some smart stuff but yeah it's, it's a vibe situation i don't love it Wow. That's fair. That's hey, listen. Going last. They're, they're more talented than LA or Anaheim, but. Go with your gut. You got to go with your gut on this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, hey, we had a bit of a, some some similarities, some discrepancies, mm-hmm. but we all had fun along the way, you know? None of us are going to be right. That's what the cool part is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait until. Dude, write all these down somewhere because I want to see how all Oh, I got them. Oh, we're. Be magnificently wrong this is getting all like tweeted out put on instagram and facebook all of these picks will be will be well documented and we will come back to make fun of ourselves in a few months for (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man all right guys well hey anthony first of all thank you very much for joining us it was a pleasure having you on as always everybody be sure that you are following and checking out and and even you know subscribing as well i am a follower and a subscriber for expected buffalo um you and chad have been doing excellent work both with expected buffalo and just your own personal work for the sabers and uh you know reporting it's it's been a pleasure following you guys and it's it's cool to see your rise and i i'm very much looking forward to seeing you know the great things that you guys are going to do this upcoming season so thank you very much appreciate that man i have a a quick two things before we go give it to me all right first uh football news at the end of the first quarter in this football game right now the browns are up 28 nothing on the steelers that's insane kidding me yes i saw 14 before we started uh the, the second recording holy cow yeah really funny roethlisberger already has three turnovers uh anthony last year on this in the divisional round we were recording during that houston kansas city mm-hmm. game and right when we were done houston was up 24 nothing and i was like wow we're gonna have a houston tennessee afc championship and then podcast ended went home and casey put a 52 on him after that but so that's always that's somewhere in one of a podcast. The, so about this is the beginning of the second quarter. The Browns are on pace to win 104 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incredible. Just as we all predicted. Yes. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, the other one is there's an NFL game today on Nickelodeon, the Bears Saints game, which was super interesting. What is your guys' number one Nickelodeon show of all time? Oh, man. Number I mean, one. Hey, Arnold. For me. Ah, that's tough that's a tough one because i feel like the knee-jerk reaction is just i mean like spongebob is is as mm-hmm. you know as cartoons go it's on the mount rushmore oh, uh yeah. love spongebob however i'm with you with hey arnold uh and i would say my number like a number three to kind of do a top three rather than maybe one big rocket power guy as well Ooh. Big, big fan of rocket power Ooh, yeah an off the board pick but it's a good one yeah hey, Mundo, i didn't, I didn't even remember Mundo. them yeah yeah, yeah oh, i man. I tried to put my top five together on Twitter earlier, and it's yeah. really hard. There's like 20 it shows is. I like that I left off. Yeah. I'm going to go with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Wow. Classic. Legends of the Hidden Temple, you can't – Legends of the Hidden Temple, you can't sleep on either, man. Oh, yeah. Classic. How about Guts? Guts was great. Guts? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Guts. Ooh, that's a top five for me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> definitely i'm very pro that by the way i like it seemed like everybody was loving it on social media i didn't unfortunately watch but i saw clips of it and everything it seems pretty cool i don't know it's something different to Did do you see the younger. slime coming out of the corners of the end zones when they yeah, score touchdown. that was cool they yeah. had the kid sideline reporter it was great Oh, you love it. That's awesome. Very, very nice. Well, all right, everybody. Thank you all very much for tuning in. As we had mentioned before, this is our last episode before the start of the season, which kicks off on Wednesday. You will hear from us and get our reaction to the season opener with our new episode that's going to be dropping on Thursday morning. But in the meantime, you have plenty of content that you can check out to to get yourself ready for the upcoming season. Uh, First of all, again, want to give another plug to Expected Buffalo. Make sure you're going and checking them out. Subscribe follow them give them all the support in the world because it's a couple of great handsome fellas doing handsome work (laughs) look at that mustache oh man 
Uh, but no, be sure you're checking out Expected Buffalo. And again, make sure you're checking out the presenters of this show. First, the Hockey Podcast Network. Whether you are a Sabres fan at heart or you're a fan of any of the 30 other teams in the league, the Hockey Podcast Network is the perfect place for you to get all the coverage that you're looking for. Shows covering each of the 31 teams in the NHL, along with some other great content. Uh, great shows hosted by former NHLers, as well as just other people who are very well plugged into the hockey community. So make sure you are checking all of those shows out and checking out the Hockey podcast network wherever you stream your podcast and also be sure to check out our other presenter of this show buffalo fanatics as we had mentioned before the bills are in fact winning the super bowl this year and uh you know why not check out buffalo fanatics to get your bills fix uh there's already been great reaction to the win against the colts and i'm sure that all throughout this week there's going to be great content pumping out about who we are going to play and as it seems right now it will be the ravens of course knock on wood that i'm wrong about that and that it's actually the Steelers and they somehow come back but either way make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics ahead of next Saturday night's game uh with that being said Anthony I don't know if you remember this but we always like to end the show sharing a random Sabres player of the episode uh we switched it up for season two now where we're each going to take turns saying who our player is to give them the proper love that these Sabres legends deserve so Taylor and I will go first and we'll give you a chance to maybe take a second and think about who you'd want to use. But Taylor, who is your random Sabres player of the episode? I'm going to go with Eric Bolton. Ooh, Eric Bolton. Okay. Okay. Anything prompting that or just, just feeling him? Uh, no, he just was like, he was a guy that was around like shockingly long, mm. just an unbelievably long career considering his talent or lack thereof. So Respect to him. I think he started. He, he started out in Buffalo. Or he played. He played in Buffalo when he was pretty young. So mm-hmm. decent fighter. There you go. All right, Eric Bolton. I'm gonna go with for mine. Uh, I'm gonna go with Derek Plant because because why mm. not? Plants are cool, you know. And he was pretty good at hockey. So yeah. <laughs> Anthony, who do you got for your random Sabres player of the episode? Well, well because we we've mentioned the stash a couple of times and and I, I guess I'm just gonna like really hone into my Italian roots here. I'll go with Marc Andre Grignani. Yes. Nice. All right. That's a name. That's a Good name. Stuff. Love that. Love that. Well, Anthony, thank you again so much for joining us. We very Thanks much for having me, man. It. Yep. And everybody else, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. Once again, we will be back on Thursday. This has been Straight Up Sabres. <laughs> <laughs>